You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay, and uh, ready to talk a little Packers 49ers this morning. we got a couple of videos to show you guys from the Dallas game as well. Uh, some of the, uh, the quote-unquote experts, I, I don't say that being sarcastic because these are people that I have a lot of respect for, breaking down the tape a little bit, showing us what went right uh, there in the huge win over Dallas. First of all, though, Tim, how you doing this morning, man? Man, feeling great. It's gonna we've got a heat wave rolling through title time, man. We're going to hit uh, 11 degrees today. <laughs> Drew D says, I hope Tim has that diesel cooling off. Look, there it is right there. Got the diesel in the hand. Donovan was mad at me. A couple minutes late here. He said, get your diesel and come on, Clayton. I got my diesel too, man. Kidding me right here. We're you ready. ready? Yeah. <laughs> Nick got in here and said, you know what? Let's poke the Barry haters real quick. He said, uh, Packers pass defense actually allowed less yards per game than the Niners. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. We're not. I don't know if we're allowed to uh, consider pass yards allowed. To be honest with you, Nick, we're, we're definitely not allowed to talk about points per game. Um, so uh, we're we're running out of statistics that we're allowed to talk about when it comes to the defense. So you got to be careful with that. All right. Hopefully, you can sense the sarcasm in my voice, there, Nick. He said, "I also heard that the 49ers are three and five when they don't get two turnovers. We have protected the ball really well, Nick. That's a great stat that you found there, buddy. We've been protecting the ball really well." If we win the turnover battle and they are three and five, if they don't get at least two turnovers, what's that tell you, right? So you go out there and protect the football. That doesn't mean you play scared. That doesn't mean you play timid. You run your offense. But if they continue to protect the football like they have here lately, Tim, we got a pretty good shot at winning this ball game. I mean, as good a shot as we could ask for considering how many uh, freaking top-end talents they have on this team and top-end coaching staff, I mean – you got to give credit. I know people get tired of hearing me say it, and I'm kind of that fan that always tries to look at the other side, you know, the, the team on the other sideline. But you got to give credit to this organization and what they've done, man. John Lynch has put together one hell of a roster. Kyle Shanahan is a top three coach in the year. You know, maybe I don't want to say he's the best, but he's 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 at the top in my opinion. Um, you know, uh, that on top of just the the talent that they brung in, like I said, that John Lynch brung in. And the culture they've established, like Debo Samuel, you're not going to find a tougher player on offense in the National Football League, right? On defense, Fred Warner, people are overlooking Fred Warner. Oh, he's just a linebacker. You know, gone are the days of, well, linebackers aren't that important. We have said that in Green Bay forever, and we've never had that top five defense while saying it, you know. And we go out and get Quay because he's a physical specimen, hoping that he can turn into that guy. He's got all the physical traits, all the tools. It's just can he put it together up top, right? Can it? Can the game slow down for him like it has for Fred Warner? But Fred major, Warner is middle ten. Major move from uh, from John Lynch and picking up Chase Young as well, adding mm-hmm. adding another monster 
to that uh, that front is just uh, that was incredible. And doing it with a third round pick, like just phenomenal, man, absolutely phenomenal. So you got to listen. You got to give people credit where credit's due. I think that's the mistake Dallas made last week, right? They 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 made the mistake of uh, not not respecting their opponent, and they went into their own building and got dog walked. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we we're gonna tip our cap, and um, it's not about. You're right. It's not a fear thing. You know, we're not gonna be timid. We're not going to be afraid, but you know, we know we're playing the Avengers on Saturday. You know, we're gonna we're gonna keep uh keep our head where it needs to be and formulate the best game plan because we do have a chance to win this game and we do belong. So uh contrary to popular belief, the Packers do belong in mm-hmm. this game. And uh, I think we're gonna shock the world again Saturday night. Yeah, I completely agree, man. I think that, I think they got as good a shot as anyone. That's for sure. I'm trying to get a screen grab pulled up here real quick because there's a comment in the chat there. Uh, well, first of all, let's go through the chat and then I'll, I'll try to get that to pull up while you say something smart, Tim. Nate McSwain said it's annoying people aren't saying how the Packers won, but rather how the Cowboys lost. That was absolutely driving me crazy, Nick, especially Sunday immediately following the game. It was just this was an implosion. This was this is what the Cowboys do at home. And it's like, hold up a minute. Did you not see the fadeaway passes? Did you not see Dontavian Wicks cooking Stephon Gilmore? Did you not see Romeo Dobbs cooking Stephon Gilmore? And when you step back and get this like 30,000-foot bird's-eye view of what happened, you could tell the game plan was, you know what? Stephon Gilmore has been one of the best corners throughout his career. He's not the same player. We're going to pick on that guy right, right now. Right at him. Yep. Let's, let's, let's pick on that dude. So, you, Did you hear Steno, what he said about – uh? Rome's routes. He says some of the best routes I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, and, and we, we did, we looked at the, we looked at film, right? We, we saw chalk talk. I mean, him putting a little extra on some of these, these routes, these concepts just to sell it more and just to get that DB to turn that hip or, or take that extra step to ensure that I've got you roasted. I mean, this is a second year player, man, playing like a, like a veteran. So uh, got to tip our caps to uh, Romeo Dobbs for sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, man. He's just, you know what? Let's just kind of lead off with that. Here's a video with Andrew Hawkins, uh, former, I think he was a wide receiver, if I remember correctly, played in the NFL, and uh, Dan Orlovsky. I'm a big fan of Dan Orlovsky. I think he's a stand-up guy. I think he's, he just like Brian Baldinger, he doesn't like to bash players, right? He tries to find the good in people. You're not going to hear him going to record, oh, this guy right here is just horrible. Here's three, here's three game tapes of him just sucking. Right. Yep. Um, you're not going to hear Baldy do that. You're not going to hear Dan do that. So you've got to you've got to run that through your filter. It doesn't mean you attack them on Twitter. It doesn't mean that you go at them. Right. Yeah. Just you. He has the right to approach the game tape the way he wants to, just like we do, just like you do. And what I like to do is take the I like to take the statistics, the analytics. I like to take the PFF grades. I like to take Mike Wall's opinion. I like to take Baldy's opinion. I like to take all this and throw it into one big melting pot. Right. And say, okay, here's the end result. Here's what I think the the true story is. It doesn't mean you got to go after those people, right? So Dan Orlovsky is very positive. It's rare he'll beat someone down. He's caught a lot of flack because he's propped Justin Fields up the last couple of years. He hasn't said much here lately. So respect, Dano. I think you <laughs> you kind of caught on. He, he catches be- a lot of flack for his playing days too, you yeah. know. And and Dan Orlovsky will be the first one to tell you that he wasn't some stud quarterback you know he he fully admits to it but uh i think you're right clayton you got to still got to defer to guys like this because they've been in that huddle man they've been in those meeting rooms they they played the game at the highest level and uh you know again we talk about respect so uh 
yeah, I like Dan Orlowski too, man. I think he he provides a lot of good insight, and uh, we all have our goofy takes, right? We all uh, have our favorites, and we all we're not all right a hundred percent of the time. So, you know, you gotta you gotta enjoy a little Dan Orlowski and uh, uh, any of the guys that have played this game. We're gonna we're gonna defer to them for sure. No, absolutely, man. Hey, people, you heard goofy take there. People, I listen to Clayton every day. Of course, I've heard goofy take. <laughs> but here's uh, here's Dan Orlovsky and like I said, Andrew Hawkins breaking down the wide receiver play against the Dallas Cowboys. This is on NFL Live. Uh, you can find this on Dan Orlovsky's Twitter page for free. Go give it a retweet, a like. Make sure you're following him, all that good stuff. He's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. But here we go. Wobble going for Wide Out Wednesday, Dan. Hey, man, the Packers <laughs> went down to Dallas and knocked off the Cowboys, in part mm-hmm. because the young, talented group at wide receiver have become very proficient route runners. If they're going to go all the way out to San Francisco and knock them off, this group is once again going to have to start in that. Let's start with Romeo Dobbs, who's in the slot against Absolutely. Jordan Lewis. All right, so we got Romeo Dobbs in the slot against Jordan Lewis. He's going to have an out route from the slot. Now, typically, if you have an out route, you're going to outside release, but he knows Lewis is playing outside leverage, and that's going to be a fight and possibly mess up the timing okay. for Jordan Love. So he makes a decision to go inside of him, okay? He releases inside. What that does is it tells Jordan Lewis that he's likely running an in-breaking route. So he's going inside of the leverage to try to sell to Jordan Lewis. I'm actually going across the field. Absolutely. Chestnut checkers. Romeo Dobbs against man coverage, boys. I'm just telling you. Oh, my God. He's a beast. Absolutely. And what Jordan Lewis does, he kind of does this slingshot technique that DBs do where they right. grab you, propel themselves to where they think you're going, and that plays perfectly into what Dobbs wants because he has them stacked now. He can't even see this DB. Yeah. Take it back a little bit. I want you to see the head and shoulders fake he gives him inside, which then creates the separation to make it an easy throw for Jordan Love. That uh-huh. right there, that left foot right there gets him to lose that defensive back. So it's initially getting inside the leverage, selling that, yep. and then giving one stab in to break out. Absolutely. Committing to the route creates a separation that we see here. Man, that is absolutely wide open. So I love the fact that he knew the leverage and used that leverage against him to go win. Now for one of the throws really of Jordan Love's career, certainly mm-hmm. of this season. Wicks in the slot against that all-out pressure. So they're going to motion down, and Wicks is going to have a wide release Stutter out post. We've kind of talked about this on Wide Out Wednesday before. Now he's going against an All Pro in Gilmore, so he knows. Look, he knows this is zero coverage. Watch him bend Stephon Gilmore out, and then get him to reset his feet. Watch him. Watch him dip. And and you, when you watch Stephon Gilmore rebound, I mean, he's still got some gas in the tank. He rebounds actually pretty nice considering how how Wick sets him up. But all I can hear watching this over and over is Greg Cosell saying. This kid, Dontavian Wicks, he gets it. He said that before the freaking draft. knows that Gilmore is waiting for any indicator to jump the route. Okay. Watch the indicator. The indicator here is he's going to drop his hip and give him one, two, because it's going to tell Gilmore (laughs) that he's going to run an out route. The moment he drops his hips, Gilmore drops his hips and feet to jump the out and creates the separation he needs across the All right, so right here, he's vertical. You're telling me he's doing that on purpose. He's kind of standing up, and once he gets to this, that forces Stephon Gilmore to stop his feet as well? Absolutely. Watch it. The moment he drops, he drops. And now he's at a standstill while Wicks is going to accelerate across his face for a touchdown. That's awesome, route running that. (laughs) Do it again (laughs) for me, Dan. I like that. That's what it's called from now on. And then let's go back to Romeo Dobbs for another route. This is my favorite route. This is an over corner. Now, the now, he called it an over corner. He calls a crosser an over. People hear that and go, wait, wait, what? I thought it was called a crosser. Some people go, wait, 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 I thought it was a climb. Guys, people use their own terminology. You as a fan, 
that if you're interested in breaking down the tape and understanding the game like that and being able to, you can create your own vocabulary that works for you. If someone gets in there, oh, that's called a crosser, actually. You no, yeah. walk them and move the hell on. Talk to any any player, right? Players will tell you they get traded, they go to a new system. They're mm-hmm. running the same thing. It's just called something different. And it, and a lot of the times they just have to get the verbiage down. Right. And, and we showed we showed a video a couple of days ago, immediately following the game, where someone referred to this concept, this cross country. I went, oh, I like that. I'd never heard that before. Right. Because yep. we were talking about they were going to attack cover one man doing double crossers. Right. Well, they set it up and they set it up with a strike concept, which is on one side of the field, a deep route. It could be a deep, just a nine fly or it can be a corner route. And the on on the front side, you bring a crosser underneath it. So you're making that single high safety engage deep, then crossing their face and hitting the crosser. You know, we, we run that same exact concept on the the dragon wheel to our boy uh, Luke Musgrave, right? Same same type, type of thing here. So mm-hmm. the other day, someone referred to it as cross country. You guys heard me say that it was basically, I called it a cross corner is what I called this route. He's running a crosser and turning it into a corner. It's kind of more of an out than a corner. Another receiver, former receiver in the NFL, said this is a sell route, right? He referred to it as a sell. Um, you heard Greg Coast or Greg uh, Olson on the on the live stream say it was a sell route. Now he said he'll sell the inside route and then break it back out. What they did was mixed in what I call this is a cross corner route. And then on the front side where they were strong, the strike concept, they ended up running a corner cross, right? Or what he refers to here as a corner post. I just want people to understand you hear different terminology from different people. It doesn't mean one person's right and the other's wrong. You find what works for you and stick to it. That way, when the play comes up later, the specific passing concept, route combination or route in general, go, oh, I call that that. I refer to that as that. And you put that in your memory bank. Everybody can fan how they want to fan. Don't feel like other people should control how you you look. I've, I've had people jump in my mentions before in DMs go, you actually got that wrong. Really? How? And then no, by no. the end of the conversation, they're pissed off that I proved them wrong. And we move on. We talk about like, gatekeepers, right? The gatekeepers. Yeah. And the thing to remember is there is no gate. There's no fence. There's nothing stopping anyone from breaking down film or studying football, wanting to learn. Bingo. So uh, don't be dismayed by the, the the fake gatekeepers out there. Yeah, definitely. And Drew D in the chat said, I heard a stat that we averaged five yards open on completions against the Cowboys. I think it was 5.2 yards of separation. Was I believe it was specifically Romeo Dobbs. It was either Romeo Dobbs or Tay Wicks. I think it was Dobby. It was insane. Now, on top of that, you throw that in. Look, go find the photos from the game. Evan Siegel, who is just – Man, that best, dude is talented, man. The best photographer in the entire National Football League. He's the Packers team photographer. He's got a picture of Dobbs catching a pass, and it's a wide-angle lens. There is no one within the freaking zip code. It is <laughs> amazing. So go go check that. It is just straight fire. But, uh, yeah, Drew, great point there. And then Drew pointed out – there's another one here I wanted to hit on real quick. Um, he pointed out that it was Rondé Barber. Yeah, Rondé Barber was the one who called it cross-country. So, you know, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – you know, someone coming at, at a regular fan that would call this or, or coming at Andrew Dawkins, Hawkins, I'm sorry, Andrew Hawkins, and, and getting on him about calling this one thing and others call it something else, well, you might as well go at Rondé Barber and say, hey, I know you're a Hall of Famer and everything, but that's not called cross country. Like, yeah, well, you know what we say to those guys? I'm here to tell you right now, <laughs> we don't care. Let me tell, let me tell you. We don't care. 
<laughs> exactly. Here we go. Opposite wow that you're not going to see here is actually a corner post, which is perfect because these these defensive backs yep. are going to see the same trajectory and think it's going to the left of the formation. Now he's going to inside release, yep. take a track like he's running an over route. Okay. And at this moment, Gilmore thinks he knows, but he's not going to commit yet. Okay. So I want. Okay. So what does he do? Like what does Dobbs do to get? Stephon Gilmore to commit. Here comes an over route. So again, this is why it's great because Dobbs is running these routes without any vision on the DB. Okay. What he does here, he puts another foot in the ground, take an even bigger angle to the to the over and brings his head back to the quarterback. The moment Gilmore sees his head go back, he commits to try to go make a big play across the so field. So he's peeking back on purpose. This Absolutely. is another sell job by Dobbs. I'm going to peek for the ball. In reality, I'm just trying to lose you and break back out to the Perimeter. The moment he feels Gilmore oh go, he puts a foot in the ground so hard he almost tears his damn knee out the frame. It creates a huge play it, for Jordan Love. It's impressive that this group that's physically talented has now become so equipped with some of the nuance in route running. Great cores run their best routes when it matters most. That's what this receiving core is doing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Great freaking breakdown, man. I love it, dude. Absolutely love it. Um, let's go to the chat real quick. Get caught up. We got a bunch of people in here. Donovan Schilling said, "Quit being a Barry apologist." LOL, JKA. They're coming. <laughs> Anytime someone says something positive about Joe Barry on Twitter, I just want to post that old black and white "Not of the Living Dead" video where that guy's saying, "They're coming for you, Barbara." Like <laughs> the casuals will come out of the woodwork, going, "Oh, it's hilarious, man." I love it. Drew D says, I love the smirk that comes on Tim's face every time he hits the button. Might be my favorite part of the show. <laughs> like a kid in a candy store, baby. Uh, uh, Drew D says, Barry Apologist would be a great username. It really would. <laughs> what we've said all year long is, look, you could probably do better at D.C., but let's stop pretending like this is a bottom three defense. And there were people saying that for a good chunk of the season. Well, when you look at weighted DVOA, actually, they're in the bottom five. It's like, shut up. We're in the top ten in, in in points now. I think we're I think we finished the year at twelfth. And when you look at like the last game there, look at all the points they gave up and how they gave up the points. It's like mop up time. We we had them at seventeen points going into the fourth quarter. Actually, deep into the fourth, I think it was ten minutes left in the game. We had held them to seventeen points, right? And you know, some people were going, "Well, how good is Dallas? Right? How good's their offense?" Let me show you real quick. I think I've got the the screen grab actually. Offense points per play. Dallas is fourth in the league right, at uh, .447 and points per game. Dallas is number one at 30.1 points per game. We had that team sitting at 17 points with 10 minutes left in the game, and we had dropped 40 on them. So they had gotten plenty of possessions. We were just giving the ball right back to them, giving the ball right back to them. So uh, you got to call a spade a spade, man. You, you, can't, you, you can't continue to cherry pick just because you don't like Joe Barry, right? Now, I want to point this out, too. This screen grab, they're going to show this game today, I believe, on NFL Network. I wouldn't recommend you watch it. This was the last. Was time there. We <laughs> this is the last time we played the 49ers. <laughs> Excuse me, got me choked up. Um, in the playoffs, 4:41 left in the game when they blocked that punt and returned it for a touchdown. Look at the score, guys. We yep. were holding the 49ers to three points in a playoff game. Yep. Guess who the DC was in this game? Joe freaking Joe Barry. Freaking Barry. So and now some people are going, well, what's your point, Clay? When we when we talk about the uh, points per game, right, and from the defensive side of things, let's look at it. Defensive points per game. What I got, what I guess, I think we would all agree. These last three games that the Packers have played, 
probably the most pressure this team's had on them all year, wouldn't you say? Yep. Like these were the biggest games of the year. You've been if you lose one, one and you're done for the last three games, correct? Well, how's the defense performed in the last three games? When you go to NFL team opponent points per play, first of all, we finished the year 12th at .332. Look at the last three, .73. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. And and now just go to every team above them in that second column. Above them, 0.451, we're better than them. 391, better than them. Houston has our number, right? So Houston had a better defense. Uh, let's see. Uh, so that's one team better. 372, we're better than them. 339, we're better than them. 317, we're better than them. 274. What were we again? 273, we're better than them. 185, they're better than us. 381, we're better than them. 171, quick chance. Okay, so that's three. There were only three teams that finished in the top 15 in opponent points per play that have outperformed us as far as giving up points per play in the last three games with the season on the line. Well, Clayton, it, it, you're kind of stretching. You know, I don't necessarily think that it's just that much stress, on it. Okay, let's go back. Biggest game of Joe Barry's career to date, playoff game, was holding the 49ers to three points with four minutes left in the game yep. before the team absolutely imploded. Special teams imploded. Special teams, exactly. Yeah. So you know, And you know who wasn't the special teams coordinator at the time? Yeah. Rich Passaccia. So, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I remember that vividly. I remember the block punt. I remember screaming from the stands. What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> 
<laughs> I bet there were several people saying that. <laughs> I remember Aaron missing a wide open Alan Lazard, force feeding Devontae Adams. Yep. I vividly, I was there and uh, so glad those days are in the rear view. Um, yeah. You know, pick a metric. I think just about every metric we look at over his tenure here, uh, Joe Barry, this, this defense has improved. It has. Um, we, we've been through the numbers. Um, I think total yards or something was something that uh, we've kind of been the same. But nearly every other statistical category defensively, we've seen improvement. And that's what you want when you install a new coordinator. You give him time to put his system in, get these players to buy in. That takes time. That can take a season, two seasons to get it going. Um, you know, most people don't want to admit it, but we, we have improved defensively every yeah. single year that Joe Barry's been at the helm. So, And I'm willing to uh, admit Salute to Joe Barry, a toast, a, a, a cup of diesel for our defensive coordinator. I'm willing to admit there are better defensive coordinator candidates out there. I admit that. I just don't understand why people aren't willing to admit that Joe Barry isn't as bad as you think he is or you say he is. And, again, that's quieted down. But I promise you, Tim, if something had went wrong in Dallas – they'd be back on their pedestal, right? That's right. And, but yet here they came out and performed in the first three quarters, well, really the, other than the last 10 minutes of the game where we took our foot off the throttle and said, okay, let's don't show anything else. Um, nope. Yeah. Right so, Joe Barry haters. Gentlemen, what brings me to my next point, don't <laughs> smoke crack. Again, there are better options. Let's just stop pretending like he's the bottom of the freaking barrel because it's silly. And it, what drives them crazy is when you put on the tape and go, blown coverage, missed tackle. That's what happened on that play. The D.C. can't get out there and tackle people. They immediately to default to what's his job to make sure they're prepared. Okay, gotcha. He's teaching tackling now. Got it. And let's not pretend like he put these assistants together either. He didn't put this coaching staff together. Matt LaFleur did, right? That's right. And, and really, if there's a story to be told, and I think people have done a good job covering it this year, if there's a story to be told, this defense is not the Fangio-style defense, not even close to 100% of the time. They, no, they, they Joe have, Barry's version of a Fangio-inspired defense. Right? And I think Matt Lafleur is behind the strings or behind the behind the scenes, kind of pulling the strings, going, "Okay, Joe, let's do this." That's what he wanted in a DC. He wanted someone. Hey, look, I'm going to dictate kind of how Belichick was his entire career. Belichick would step in the offensive room and go, "Uh, uh-uh, we're we're not doing that this week. We're doing this right." So, just a, a whole lot more to it, right? A lot more moving parts than people want to actually consider. Um, Donovan said, Barry stops the 49ers, and I'll be the first to go fight for his lifetime contract. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, if they come out and they lose 30 to 10, my my opinion of Joe Barry doesn't change. I think we could do better, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Joe Barry is the reason this defense has struggled at times this year. Emilio jumped in here with his diesel. He said, oh, they're defending Joe Barry. Let me set them straight. Yeah. <laughs> Better stop that slander right now. <laughs> what are you doing, big dog? Nothing, man. Nothing. Woke up a little late, but still snowy here. Oh yeah, it's, it's not yeah. warm enough for the uh, for the roads to melt, so everything just still. Yeah. Pneumonium. These guys <laughs> in Tennessee crying about a little snow. <clears throat> hey, we. My neighbor called me last night. Uh, I won't say her name, but she called me and said, "Hey, Clayton, uh, I got a question." I'm like, yeah. She said, "Are you hearing any popping?" Like that, like there's a loud bang outside. Uh-oh. And I went, we heard it last night because I jumped up out of the bed at one o'clock and just full disclosure. Okay. If you got kids in the room, ear them off it. All right. I'm outside with shorts on and it five degrees, no shirt with an AR 15 and a flashlight walking the property. <laughs> going, what, who's out here 
blowing stuff up, right? So you get some of that thunder snow. We did. We did a little bit of research, and what it is is we've got such a cold spell down here where it's getting down in the single digits, and we got so much moisture, and that stuff froze that it's called uh, called frost quakes, where your house and your decks will freeze and pop. So I'm laying in bed at one o'clock in the morning, you know, after having a couple of daddy sodas and I hear mm-hmm. this loud bang. And next thing you know, I'm out getting frostbit on the Take old the door out. You know I mean? Yeah, bro. <laughs> so it's funny. She said the same thing because her son, Logan, she said, yes, like Logan was out there, too, like a redneck, had a gun in his hand, walking around going, who's out here beating on the house? <laughs> so anyway. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. We got to make the sweep. I grab my chef. I go, Link, let's go, buddy. It's go yeah. time. You, you walk the property, run the property. I'll be out here on the front side. Lincoln was probably happy too, excited, ready to go to work. Oh, yeah, he was. He, he, I dread. I hope the day never comes, but if it ever does, he's going to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Greg in the chat said, who's better, Micah Parsons or Bosa? Mm. Here's how I feel. This Y'all ready for an, an extremely boring take? Here it comes. I don't think there are any bad players in the league. This Mike McCarthy said this years ago, and it, it really resonated with me. I don't think there's bad players in the league. I think there's good players and there's great players. And sometimes the difference between good and great is the position you put those players in to succeed, what's around them. Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa, both of them play on great defenses, right? If I had to choose between the two, and it's the only way to answer this question, in my opinion, you have to start a franchise today and you have to pick one of these players in their young prime to build your defense around. Which one are you taking? I'm taking Bosa, and I'll tell you why. Because edge is that important. Look at what Micah didn't do on Sunday. See how easy it was to kind of neutralize him? Because they're trying to manufacture pressure with him. They're trying to get him in in more advantageous positions. What the 49ers do, they come out and say, we're only going to bring four the majority of the time. Bosa, go beat a double team, and he does it, right? So he's someone who can set the edge and play the run well, and you can get pressure on the quarterback with him just rushing four. You've seen – did y'all see Aaron Jones absolutely sting Micah Parsons? I love Aaron Jones. I love that. Aaron Jones doesn't have that same effect on that block on Bosa. Bosa's built different. Parsons, if I remember correctly, is a little lighter, very quick. He's an absolute animal. I love him. Now, he's probably my second choice. If you said you can't take Bosa, you could take anyone else in the league, I'm probably going with Micah because he's just a freak. And he's got the mobility. I mean, you can put him anywhere. Which, yeah. which Bosa doesn't do as much, right? That's a very good point. You could play him at mock if you wanted to, him be a Micah, right? Um, who would you pick? Let's go around the horn, Tim. You, would you take Micah Parsons or Bosa? I think it's tough because, like you said, we're talking about kind of two different type of defenders here. Um, but I do feel like Bosa's a little more well-rounded. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd probably go with Bosa. Yeah. What about you, Emilio? My my initial reaction was Micah, just because of how how mo- mobile he is. Like, I mean, we could work him anywhere. You know, if we got a, if we have a hole in the middle, we can put him there. Um, yeah. But you know, when when Bose is out, it the that defense is different. So yeah. it is, you know, it's, it really is a toss up. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's go through the chat real quick. Number one Packer fan says Bosa all day. Uh, Doug says Bosa is a system defensive lineman. Okay. All right. Uh, Jarrell. Yeah, Jarrell Lee in the chat says, I like Bosa. Uh, let's see. Anyone else comment on it? No. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, Gerald says, uh, Bosa is a dog. Yeah. Mike Berry. That's the ultimate answer right there. Reggie White. Who would you rather have, Bosa or Parsons? Reggie White. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> Gary. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. 
All right, let's see what else we got in the chat, and then we'll get to the uh, the game plan and everything. Actually, we got a, a video from Baldy we'll show too. But uh, oh, you had him do a little bit more tape grinding for you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Number one Packer fan saying, "LOL, Clay got that heater out." Sometimes you got to get the heater out, man. It's the it's a redneck in you. Lucky said, "Ice on the trees." Um, it wasn't the ice on the trees. Like I said, it was the deck and stuff popping. Like up. mini frost heaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was wild, man. Because it was when it when it hit too. It it sounded like somebody was hovering in the air on the second level of our house, going bang on the side of the house, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't just those snap caps. Yeah. <laughs> Laying there in bed, it's like I've been waiting for this day. Finally <laughs> 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 get to use it. Nah, but uh. It was it's pretty wild. Now look at this. Chewy in the chat says Flag Pond, home of the best one-legged night worker. Hey, these people in here, Chewy, they don't know what Flag Pond is. I don't think Emilio does either. I don't think so. All right. So when you roll through Washington County, Tennessee, people are going, Why are we talking about this on a Packer podcast? I have no <laughs> clue, but here we are. You roll through uh Jonesboro, Johnson City area, yeah. you head into the North Carolina Mountains. We're kind of at the base. We're in the valley of the North Carolina Mountains. Asheville is on the other side of the mountain. So at the base on the Tennessee side, right, of the mountain, is a little place called Flag Pond. If you've never been there, go watch Deliverance and you've experienced, okay? I'm just telling you right now. it's, uh, it's uh, There's good people up there. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But it's not a place that you just swing through and sightsee because you end up on someone's property and you end up in a bear trap or something, right? It's just the way it happens. So um, anyway, Drew in the chat says they have to say Dallas imploded because all they all picked Dallas to dominate. It's, it's kind of goes hand in hand with the Joe Barry argument and the Jordan Love argument early on. Those people won't give Jordan Love their their his due. Most of them are being forced to now, but they wouldn't give him his due because it proves that they were wrong in their original take. Richard I'll tell Barry, you one thing Dallas fans are saying right now. Oh, no. They say? We suck again. <laughs> they chilling at home on vacation, right? They, they hitting up Cabo. Um, another, another example. Did you guys see Richard Sherman's tweet last night? Miss it. All right. I don't know if I saw that one. So here's what happened. Mark Chamora went on Kling, uh, uh What is it? Uh, I can't think of the name. Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Yeah. The name of the show, right? Or at least he's the host of the show. I think that was on the show. He went on a little mini rant and said, you know what you got to do? And for, I don't know if he said you got to do it. Go watch the video yourself. But essentially, I'm paraphrasing. He said, you might want to go out there and just put Purdy on his butt one time and get a 15-yarder. Like, give him a a personal foul to let them know, hey, look, this is going to be a fight is essentially what he's saying. I disagree with that take. Mm-hmm. When you say you're intentionally trying to play dirty, I think bad things happen. That's just me. I think you're sowing bad seed. Things are going to happen in the heat of the moment. I got it. But when you send a goon in like that, and, and essentially you're this close to saying go out there and try to hurt him, I personally don't like that. You know, But I'm 41 years old now. If you'd ask Clayton when he was 28, I'd say send two of them in there. Get your bottom two rods because I was a knucklehead. I was a moron. So anyway, Richard Sherman responds to it, quote tweets it, and kind of tries to do this virtue signaling, you know, basically saying, oh, there's no place for this in the game and this and that. So everybody just started hitting him with personal foul videos where he was playing (laughs) and took cheap shots. He's getting buried on Twitter, man. Again, (laughs) by Packer. Yeah, he's got enough of them, right? Just wild, but yeah. Uh, that's another good example there of just someone trying to they they want to stand on their pedestal, Drew, and pretend like, well, I was right. And when they're not right, let's dig through the basement of the stats to try to prove my point. Right. That yeah. that stuff drives me crazy. Drew D said, I heard a stat where we average over five yards open on the completion percent or on the completions against the Cowboys. We talked about that when we were breaking down the uh the routes. It was 
pretty wild statistic for sure. Maki in the chat said, if Dobbs is running butt naked through the trailer park at 20 mile an hour and Bosa's looking like a raccoon with its tail on fire, at what point do they collide? I like it, man. It's kind of like they the collide whole in the dumpster. They do. I know this. Dobbs was a dog out there, but you don't want to be in that dumpster with a raccoon, man. Oh, so, <laughs> It, we it's happened to us several. See, here we are. Again. I'm not <laughs> it's happened to us. <laughs> There's nothing more interesting than trying to get a a hungry raccoon out of a dumpster. I'll just leave it at that. All right. It's it's like trying to pass block Rashawn Gary. You know what I'm saying? It just ain't going ain't going to happen. He'll get out when he's ready to get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, let's see. Everybody giving us uh, advice now. Doug said Clayton might want to uh, check your outside water faucets. Chance of pops freezing. Yeah, we've we've been colder than this down here before. We're good, Doug. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, we're prepared. But yeah, oh, I, sure, I forgot right. to throw the, those little foam things on the uh, on the spigots. I'll probably yeah. screw Doug. Yeah. But yeah, right. get, down, get down in the basement there and turn the. I got a crawl space. Turn the main yeah. off, man. Turn that I, supply I, off. You'll be all just right. A, just a crawl space, man. I got to go to one side of the house and crawl to the other side to do everything. You know how it works. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's see what ball. Let's get this thing back on track. I'm over here talking about raccoons and dumpsters, flag <laughs> pond, Tennessee. Goodness gracious. Yeah. All right, here goes. Here's Brian Balding. You're talking about that savage pick six. Let's check it out. Let's look at this defensive play call of the Packers with two minutes to go in the first half. It's second and two when CD goes in motion, and the Packers kick over Devondre Campbell, and they're just going to kick this over so that it looks like Devondre's on Brandon Cooks. And Keyshawn Nixon, six yards off C.D. Lamb with the safeties deep. But at the snap, there's a blitz by Campbell. And the safety rotation by Green Bay. And right there, Darnell Savage is just sitting right in that hook zone. And anticipating the throw was going to go to Dak's favorite target, he jumped it. Took it to the house. And here it is. I mean, Dak is looking for his favorite target all the way. Not anticipating... That Savage was dropping down. The blitz was coming. Jumped right in front of him. It was a trap. Trap defense. Green Bay set it. And Dak took it. And Darnell Savage put them up 27-0. Ain't it wild? Barry out there setting traps. Or was that Barry? Maybe it wasn't Barry that set that trap. Maybe maybe the players just went off cuff and said, we're not doing anything Joe says. We're just mm-hmm. going to run our own defense. Watch this again. What uh, We talked about it. The key to this play, too, is Savage – Selling the three, like he's going to jump on the three right there. Mm-hmm. Dak's like, okay, you're on the three. Two. Look at the separation between the number two receiver, right? Yep. He fires that thing, and Savage just woo. Little he stole that sugar from the defense. I love it, you, man. Sugar, a little. Mwah. There you mm-hmm. go, big dog. Enjoy it. Watch, you'll see Savage's foot come into the frame right here. Watch this. Ooh, Look, hello. It's it's wild to think that he is on the. Play side, I'm sorry, on the quarterback side of the number three there and still got inside of the two to pick that ball off. And look at Dak's head right now. He's looking right at him. Yeah, look at the stripes. See the stripes on the helmet? Yep. Many people, they you know, they, I don't like the stripes on the helmet. It, it plays a perp, it plays a role. Really Show it one more time when he releases this ball. Right about – oh, right there. Got, got him. Look at Savage. My man Savage out there. And then we get that beautiful pick six to the house. Yeah. You know what Savage is thinking right now? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking right now? Let run this. I'm thinking. Huh? Took it. <laughs> Took it down the sideline. <laughs> Good drop, Tim. Good drop. All right. So that was Brian Balding and breaking down that play. It's just so cool to see everybody kind of getting noticed. You know, as far as uh, as far as that goes with these plays that we broke down on Chalk Talk and. 
I love it, man. You gotta love football. It's almost over and it sucks. Um, let's talk about the injuries real quick. So just update. We won't go through them all because it's like reading an encyclopedia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me drop this banner down real quick so we can make sure we're not missing anything. The only thing that changed is highlighted in the bowl. Okay. Jair Alexander did not participate. He was limited Tuesday if they had practiced, which we know they didn't, right? Then it would have been an estimation. They're just doing walkthroughs all week long. My guess is he got rehab, right? Yep. He's going to play. Uh, Matt LaFleur made a comment. If I remember, it was Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry at the press are basically saying he's further along this week than he was last week. So he's even healthier than he was last week. Had a hell of a game too, man. So yeah. it's, it's and happy, good. happy that that ankle is doing better, man. That was not pretty to see. Uh, non-contact, was, non-contacts are never pretty. I thought it was over. As soon yes. as I seen him grab, I went, well, he's done. Crap. That freaking like, turf. Yeah. Yeah, let's don't even talk. And that's the beautiful thing. If I remember correctly, San Fran's grass, right? They don't use so. the, they don't use the turf. They, they don't even use a hybrid. They just use straight grass, I believe. Right. So it should be good. Maybe what 50, 60? Yeah, probably mm-hmm. is. Elton Jenkins, uh limited. He he did not participate the week before. Not worried about it. We've done this for the last second half of the season, basically. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie did not participate with the neck injury if they had practice limited yesterday. He'll be good to go. And then Preston Smith. Would, would not have practiced on Tuesday, but he was limited yesterday. So we're good. The, the only thing that changes from last week here um, is is probably uh, probably the fact that we're just all but guaranteed McDuffie's going to play. Last week, I don't think we really felt like that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, A.J. Dillon still did not participate. I doubt he'll be active. We might get a surprise there. But, you know, there's no reason to try to rush him back. No, nah, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get him ready for the uh, NFC Championship game. Tim, right. I love it. <laughs> I love Tim. Right. Sometimes you got to bring the tractor into the garage and work on it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. they, they they need maintenance. It's not like we can run them things forever. Absolutely. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. He rode Billy Bob Love Charlene. Man, That's I right. That. I'll tell you. You know, another another positive sign here. Quay Walker, full participant yesterday, yes. um, got a little concern there uh, late in that Dallas game when we kind of kind of saw him. I, I don't want to say re-aggravate the shoulder, but, um, you know, he's been playing with that collar for weeks now and uh, going hard. So uh, good to see Quay at full participation. But I'm with you, Clayton. I think we're good to go. I think uh, the only for sure guys that aren't going to play, obviously, Kingsley and Igbari, uh, thank you for a great season. Go rehab that knee. We'll see you next year at camp. Um, and uh, obviously, yeah, we talked about A.J. Dillon. But um, I think any everybody else here limited is going to go, right? It's, it's do or die time, man. You know, we've been back against the wall, like you said, Clayton, these last three games here, really four games. Um, so uh, just good to see these guys uh, leaving it all out on the field. And I think they're going to suit up Saturday for sure. Yeah, and from a defensive perspective, too, they're they're peaking. And I'm going to mention two specific people that I've been rough on this year, Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage is playing the best ball he's played all year long and to a level that it's raising his PFF grade. And again, I know J.J. Watt went on PFF. I know Mike Wall doesn't like PFF. They All the former player, I don't know one former player other than Chris Collinsworth who owns PFF that goes, <laughs> yeah, I like PFF. <laughs> It, it doesn't mean PFF is useless. I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me of that. And those guys aren't going to try to convince anyone anyway. Do I put more stock in what J.J. Watt and Mike Wall say? Absolutely I do. If you're saying you can sit down and let J.J. Watt, first ballot Hall of Famer, and Mike Wall, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman, play for the Packers, if you can sit down with them 
and have them watch tape or the 500 gurus at PFF. I'm choosing a former player. Now, people may disagree with that. That's okay. I'm simply saying all of this information is important, right? So PFF has really come around on Jair and Darnell Savage of late. And I'm going to show you real quick. We'll run through the whole thing. But matter of fact, let's just start with the defense. I was going to start with the offense, but let's start with the defense real quick. Let me slide these up and just show you guys what I'm talking about as far as the PFF grade. Let's start off with our 34 base against their 21 look. Okay. And I'm going to kill the cam too so I can zoom in here so you can see it a little bit better. So when we talk about this defense against their 21 personnel, look at Kyle Juszczyk. He's the four, He's fourth of 12, but look at his PFF grade, 56.7. You wonder why they're playing more 12, right? Is because their 21 just isn't as effective from the fullback position. They're still effective overall, don't get me wrong, but Juszczyk seems to be kind of tapering off a little bit here in the latter years of his career. Focus on defense for just a second. Jair Alexander has now gone from the 50-something, you know, I think he was 51st corner in the league, to 28th now. Now, is he, is he playing up to snuff to that, you know, uh, obviously the, the largest cornerback contract in the, in, the, in the league? No, he's not. But that's a huge improvement, huge improvement, 73.1. Look at Darnell Savage, 76.8. He's now 15th in the league. Now, people go, Clayton, it's because he had a, a great game, a pick six. That's why it helped, yes. But if you go back in the last couple games, he's not grading out in the 50s anymore. He's grading out in the 60s, right, and borderline 70s. So he's turned his game around. I'll tell you what Darnell Savage is doing. Last year, I didn't like him bringing him back. You guys know I did. But how he's finishing this year, he, he might earn his, himself another contract. We know how much they think about him. So it doesn't matter what what Emilio, Tim, and Clayton think, right? Mm -hmm. It's what does the front office think? They gave him whatever it was, $7.9 million there with that fifth-year option. You know, you, you want to know where people's priorities are. Check two things. Check their calendar and their checkbook. That'll tell you exactly where the priorities lie. And the fact that they gave him, you know, almost $8 million for one year really says what they think about Darnell Savage. I couldn't see it the last couple of years. But maybe, just maybe, this is starting to click now on this defense, right? But uh, I think that was really, really cool. Now, let's go to the PFF preview here, okay? They're, let's start with their front in this 21 look. Trent Williams, absolute dog, a stud, 89.7 at the left tackle position. He is what makes this running game go. There's no two ways about it. Banks at left guard, uh, you know, he's 54.9. Drew sent me a message. Drew sent a comment or a message. I think it was a YouTube comment about Banks. I hadn't had a chance to respond to you yet, Drew, but I appreciate it, buddy saying, hey, is, is Baldy just cherry-picking here because Banks is horrible according to PFF? Baldy showed one play, didn't he, where Banks dominated. <laughs> so sure. what I would challenge if, if anyone, and, and if Drew, if, if you're thinking, okay, does this mean PFF's inaccurate and Baldy's correct? Baldy, remember what I said about Baldy. Just like some of these other former players, Dan Orlovsky, it's very rare he's going to point out the negative, right? He's going to find the positive in players. If you were to go watch every single snap of Banks at left guard, I guarantee you, I would I would almost bet the house that you would come away leaning toward PFF's grade rather than Baldy's take on that one play. It's important to put that into context. Now, Brendel at center, 63.9. Uh, Burford, I think I'm saying that right, Burford, yeah. right guard, 50.4. And then McKivitz at right tackle, 65.1. This offensive line is not great. They're great at run blocking, horrible at pass blocking. So that's where you got one of the strengths in your game is you should be able to get pressure on them in the pass rush by not blitzing too often. Now, 
you probably want to run blitz a little bit. You want to mix in some blitzes to try to blow up that running game a bit. Because like Baldy pointed out last night, what the Ravens did well against their toss plays, they run toss weak, they run toss strong, they run toss crack. When you run a toss play, you got to get in there and blow that thing up. And you can't blow it up if you don't have enough hats at the point of attack. So mm-hmm. you're probably going to want to go with some kind of um, cover three zone match, but get that safety in position to where he can get down there. Be okay with tipping your hand and showing that single high look. As a matter of fact, line up with it in the pre-snap, but play your zone match. Have that safety down there around the box to help fill in against the run. So with our front five against their front five, plus Kittle, guys, listen, Kittle, he's the highest graded tight end in the entire National Football League at 87.6. He's an absolute stud. That dude can block like an offensive lineman, too. I mean, he is he's just he there's nothing that he doesn't do good. Let's just call him what he is. He's a dog. He is a dog. And I wish he was on our team, man. <laughs> I really do. But when you look at the offensive line from that standpoint, great at run blocking bad at pass blocking with the exception of Trent Williams. I'm sure Trent Williams has got a great pass blocking grade. So when you look at our front five, Preston Smith, 71.8, he'll be lined up over Trent Williams the majority of the time. Kenny Clark at right defensive end, 68.4. He's over Banks at 54.9. Seems like a mismatch, right? If he draws a double team, he'll have Brendel fanning over. But when you bring that 34 jam, if they don't chip with the tight end, then guess what? It's going to be single up block, especially in your base, which they're going to be running a ton of 21 and a ton of 12. You're going to see a whole lot of 34 jam in this game. Okay. So your matchup there across the board will be Preston Smith, 71.8 over Williams, 89.7. Kenny Clark, 68.4 over Banks, 54.9. TJ Slayton, 64.1 over Brindle. Um, yeah, Brindle at 63.9. Devontae White over Burford, uh, 61.0 for Devontae White. Burford, 50.4. You'll probably see a little mix of, uh, of our boy Carl Brooks in there as well. Rashawn Gary, 79.1 over McKivitt, 65.1. Wyatt's got to win. He's got to win over there on that side. You know, you talk the talk. we got to see you walk the walk now. So, really, if if they're in base the majority of the time, and here's the thing. They're watching the tape. They're looking at the analytics, too. If they come out and go, you know what, let's force them into 11. Let's force them into 11. Okay? If they do that, if they do force us into 11, then Keyshawn Nixon comes on the field. Okay? He comes on the field in the slot, and we take one of these defensive linemen out. Now, to me, I would much rather them try to run out of their base 21 or their base 12 rather than their uh, their 11 personnel. That's just me personally because these guys are holding up pretty well against the point of attack. People are going, but our run defense sucks. Guys, they've allowed 200 less yards from last year, okay? So keep that in mind. It's like a little less than 200 rushing yards less than last year. The, the run defense got better this year. I know the Barry haters don't want to accept it, but it's fact from a total yards, from a yardage standpoint, okay? Now, let's switch it up just a bit and go to the 12. All right, so when they go from 21, you take use checkout, who's a 56.7, and you go to Werner, I think is how you say it, 62.6. So he's grading out right there around where uh, Ben Sims and Tucker Craft have the majority of the season, okay? Now, that that may have changed here recently. I haven't looked at their PFF grade since the, the last game, you know, came in, but – Essentially, you're going to upgrade at 12. That's probably why they're using a little more 12 than they normally have in the past because use check, not playing as well. You put, you know, Werner in there at uh, at tight end to help and run out of the 12 look. And in 12, it really is. It's it's kind of taken off in the league. It's something that's becoming more and more popular. It looks like the fullback's getting phased back out. And, again, the league is cyclical. 
this stuff, they, they come and go, right? When you when it comes to uh, roster building and how their approach of inserting the fullback and removing them. And the fact of the matter is, there's not very many good fullbacks. Back in the day, you had your John Coons, right? You had your guy. Who was the guy in Baltimore that was a pro bowler? Oh, Patrick, right? Ricard? Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's another great one there. There was one before him, too, that was excellent. Oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, but, yeah, anyway, it, it's in Green Bay. When McCarthy was in Green Bay, I mean, look at how many times we try to bring fullbacks in. Corey Hall, right, who caught Aaron Rodgers' first, uh, first career touchdown pass after becoming a starter uh, there at Lambeau. Um, didn't last very long. They tried to replace him. They bring, you know, they tried multiple people, and then they settled in on John Coon, who was a stud. But uh, well, just, we had William Henderson for a while. That was fun. Know. That yeah. was fun to watch. Yeah, William Henderson was a stud. I got to meet him one time. Well, you talking about a gentleman? I was like, I'm glad he's a gentleman because his so his shoulders look like he could push. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So there's your kind of your front five against our front five. All right. Let's talk about the tight ends for a second. George Kittle just briefly hit on it. That match up there, you're either going to have a safety trying to cover George Kittle in those zone match principles, or it's going to be a backer, all right? So how do you approach this? Purdy can scramble a little bit. He's a little bit better scrambler than people give him credit for, right? He's very, very savvy in that regard. You don't want to get too caught up in trying to match up on Kittle. So if you say, all right, Quay, you're going to cover Kittle in every situation you line up over Kittle, right? And we get too much focus on him and they run the ball down our throat. That's why I feel like let's key in on our zone match and let's just focus on everybody. Don't worry about the matchup, the one-on-one at hand. Just play your assignment the old Belichickian way. Do your freaking job, and let's control this run, and let's make them beat us through the pass. Guys, they can beat us in the pass. They're just as good passing the ball as they are running it, right? But that's why I'm just saying control the explosives, get pressure in his face with minimum rush, and maybe we can force him to make mistakes like they did in Baltimore. Now, Baltimore took a different approach, right? They fired a lot of fire zone blitzes. They confused them. They brought cat blitzes. That's where the boring fan in me goes, Clayton, shut up. We need to blitz. The blueprint was zone blitz, zone blitz, zone blitz, right? So probably what you're going to come away with there. Now, when we looked at our defensive game plan against them, what did we point out? A couple of things that we picked. Motion. They use motion 76% of the time. That's second most in the league, and their EPA is first. They are damn good at mm-hmm. motion, and they do it a lot. Zone run. Their zone run, right, uh, 77% of the time, that's second most in the league. Their EPA, when they're playing zone run, is first in the league. So you're going to get hit with a lot of motion and a lot of zone run. Versus man coverage, their EPA is number one. Versus zone, their EPA is number four. So I, that's why I would lead on zone, and you're probably going to want to try to manufacture that pressure if he settles in. I would say start the first quarter, see if you can get pressure in his face with a four-man rush and seven in coverage. Make sure you stop the run. Focus first and foremost on the run. And if that doesn't work, then you can adjust and go with the zone blitz. But anything you guys want to add here before we move on to the nickel? Um, uh, I just hope ahead, that man. there's a rotation of uh, LVN. I, I, I want to see LVN up against Trent Williams. I really do. I want to see him bring the thunder, uh, pepper him in a little bit in this game. Got Definitely. It. Definitely. And what I like about that, Tim, is – I was thinking size, same thing against Williams. I love that we have Preston Smith over there. You know, yeah. we're, we're, he's gonna he's gonna be contested all game. They're both two two big human beings, uh, and I think you know Gary really needs to step up on that weak side there. You know, Brock's gonna be looking at him the whole time. We just need we need him to show up, uh, especially with that rotation. And then, like you said, the the down three need to show up inside. We need to um, you know when they're when they're 
pass rush, we got to stay in our lanes. We got to push that pocket, you know, right up the middle. And when on the run plays, we need a big game from Smith and Gary. Everybody needs to set an edge. If we lose contain, it's a wrap. I mean, it's not going to end well. And the other thing too, Emilio, if you allow them to play on schedule, to play on time, you're you're going to be you're going to be playing from behind all day long. Like what I mean by that, guys, is commit to stopping the run early and try to get them in. You know what we don't want to see is on first down them get six yards and they're looking at second, second and four. Yep, right, right. You you got to you got to control those early downs and they're going to hit you with play action on it. Control the explosives. Keep everything in front of you. Focus on stopping the run because if yep. you can get them in a second and nine and a third and seven instead of a second and six and a third and two, you got a much better shot at getting yep. to the quarterback. And we can't scores. give them third and manageable at all. Yeah, no, it's going to kill us. We've got we've got to force them to to you know play th- like you said third and seven, third and eight kind of scenario. Definitely. All right, let's switch it up to nickel here real quick. So they bring in Jennings in the slot at a 68.0, okay? You got Debo Samuel on the outside at 83.0. You got Brandon Ayuk, man, 92.3, the second highest graded receiver in the league. Going into Dallas, it was real simple, guys. All we got to do is stop CD. Stop Mm -hmm. CD, make them play left-handed, we're good. These guys don't have a left hand. They've got three right hands, okay? like (laughs) It's going to be tough. That's why I'm saying control the explosives, keeps everything in front of you, stop the run. And don't sleep on Jennings in the slot at all because, you know, that guy can be deadly too. Yeah, and if we get caught up in the whole, let's let Jair follow Ayuk around, watch Kyle Shanahan have a field day manipulating his defense with motion. They use motion, like I said, 76% of the time. It's second most in the league. If you try to play man coverage against that, they're going to, like like a chess player, put whoever is covering Ayuk, they're going to put him exactly where they want to put him and gain a hat in every rundown situation. You just, you got to, I'm telling you, this screams, if we play man coverage, this is not going to be good. The only way I would say play man coverage, and I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say, the only way is you just hang them out there, and you know what them I'm talking about. You hang them out there and go, you know what, we're going to go cover zero, and we're going to press up at the line, and we're going to make you beat us, and we're going to put Purdy on his rear end every play, and we're going to we're gonna put two guys in every gap when it comes to the run game. Now, if you do that, be ready to give up some explosives because Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jennings, they can do it. And also, if you approach it that way and they do some of these jet motions, these jet sweeps, double reverses, who's it going to, Ayuk? Or Samuel, right? And yep. then you got McCaffrey. We haven't even talked about Christian McCaffrey, guys. Like, yep. they're going to you know, with the with the motion and the the um, like you said, the double reverse or even the reverse. I've noticed this lately as a trend in the league that that type of play is almost more successful when you're faking both of those. Yep. You're not you're not even really running that reverse. You're just sending so much motion that it's throwing that secondary off and getting guys to bite, and then you're you're finding success. Yeah, and here's another thing, too. Remember early in the year, Matt LaFleur talked about two back equals two gap, one back equals one gap in the run game. Like, you're responsible for one gap if there's one back. What else they like to do? They like to motion. They like to come out in this 11 personnel and then motion Debo Samuel to the backfield. As a defense, single back, one gap. As soon as they motion him in the backfield, in a split second, it's, do we switch to two gap? That's why you got guys looking at each other like, what do we do here? What, What are we doing? Like, it's it throws a wrench into everything, doesn't it, Amelia? You're familiar yeah. with the run game. Like, that that changes everything, doesn't right, it? Right, exactly. And don't forget that Christian McCaffrey is going to start out wide sometimes, or he's going to he's either going to motion out wide, he's going to start out wide, we're going to bring him in motion, 
You know, we're yeah. going to set him up as, you know, uh, stack behind Purdy over, uh, you know, offset, all that. We've stuff. seen them use him in the slot, too. Yep, exactly. So how so there's any en- endless opportunities for Kyle to, you know, cook something up. But it's everybody has to play their man, play their gap and be sound. You know, everybody has to stop. You know, you have to worry about, you know, the cliche, you're one eleventh because if you're worried about everybody else's job in a game like this, um, it's going to it's going to get ugly quick. Yeah, definitely. Drudy in the chat said, let's not use the Dallas strategy against San Fran, LOL. Amen. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying, man. Like, let's just let's key in on playing that zone, playing zone match, keeping everything in front of us and just committing to our run responsibilities, man. Um, it's going to be a going to be an uphill battle. But look, again, I'm holding out hope. I think of those three points that we gave up the last time Barry faced him in the playoffs. Right. So um, say what you want about Barry. But when his job's on the line and the season's on the line, he seems to perform at his best. Right. So let's hope he uh, continues that for sure. Now, when we look at the other matchups across the board, like I said, Samuel, 83.0, Jennings, 68.0 on the slot. Brandon Ayuk, 92.3 across from those guys. This is PFF guessing. We don't know exactly how it's going to line up. Right. Uh, you know, they, 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 I'm sure they play a lot of bunch nasty. Right. So that means that Ayuk's going to be on the opposite side of the field. That kind of changes the whole dynamic to things they can control with their switch release. Who is going to cover who in zone match, you know, uh, principle plays. But Jair Alexander over Debo Samuel, the way this is lining up with Jair playing on the left, 73.1 on 83.0. Mismatched in their favor. Keyshawn Nixon, 62.2 over Jennings, 68.0. Mismatch in their favor. Brandon Ayuk, 92.3 on Carrington Valentine, 57.6. Huge mismatch. That's just PFF. I'm not saying it's the gospel. Just looking at it from that perspective, they are better in every matchup, no matter what. The only matchup that we would be in favor of there is if somehow, some way, Alexander got matched up on Jennings. But when you do that, that means Ayuk is matched up on Valentine or Nixon. So keep that in mind because they're going to try to man- manipulate their passing game to create those advantageous matchups, right? They're going to try to do that. If you were to ask Kyle Shanahan, Kyle, how do you want to neutralize Jair Alexander? It's real simple. We need to get Jennings over top of uh, Jair Alexander as much as possible. That now ensures you that you're going to get Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk on either Nixon or Valentine underneath. Now, if you're playing zone match and a safety's you know, uh, rotating down like Savage did, you throw them into the mix, right? Darnell Savage, 76.8. Now, you got it. Listen, I have been the biggest Darnell Savage critic. You've got to give him credit. Here lately, he is playing – Really, really good. Minus the pick six, he's played better. We've seen his tackle grade improve slightly, right? Yeah. He's the 15th highest graded safety in the league right now. We've only got one safety coming back under contract, if I remember correctly. Um, who was it? It was actually was it it was actually Dallin Levitt, wasn't it? And they cut him. Am I thinking yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, so we don't have any safeties coming back other than Anthony Johnson Jr. So you no, know, and you said that name. That's that's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm gonna keep my eye on him because the safeties are gonna have uh their work cut out for him. And I fully expect to see him get some snaps. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he can be a difference maker in the the little bit of snaps that I think he's going to get. Yeah. And I'm already thinking about the offseason. Let me let me pause this for just a second. Thinking about the offseason, do you bring Savage back? What's the price, right? And I haven't pulled it up on Spotrack. If we're paying him almost $8 million this year, it says they think he's worth that, right? So mm-hmm. what's the question the is, to me, do you think he's going to take a, you know, like a two-year deal? or something, or is he going to be looking for something a little bit more long-term? I think he's probably going to want to test the market. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame him. Right. So if he goes to the market and gets over, over five, he's gone. 
But if he yeah. goes to the market and comes back and says, Hey, my best offer is four or eight, oh yeah, give him five, you know, right. to set the floor in the safety room. Cause we know every other person you bring in, unless you break the bank, is gonna re, you know, is uh is gonna be a rookie contract or what have you with a draft pick. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yep. All right, so that was our early PFF preview. We'll get into the uh, the offensive side of the ball for Green Bay and how we match up against their defense later on tonight in PTA Live. But, uh, man, this show flew by. We were in here talking about raccoons and everything, and it got out of hand. But, hey, that's what you get. You don't get that from any other Packers podcast. Right. Right? People are like, that's right, Clayton. That's why you're not growing. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We're ha- that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're having fun, and that's all that matters to us. So as long as you guys are having fun, it's cool, too. Um, let's see. Just want to check the chat real quick. Let's go around the horn while I just uh, gloss over the chat real quick. Go ahead, Tim. Parting thoughts, buddy. Uh, parting thoughts is um, can't wait to continue the breakdown uh, tonight on PTA Live, and absolutely uh, excited to be here in January talking about meaningful playoff football. You got to love it, guys. Make sure you go up here and uh, scan the the thing in the corner, whichever way I'm pointing. There you go, upper right hand corner of your screen. Take your right to the flagship Packernet Podcast Network, doing big things. Big shout out to Ryan Schlipp, a.k.a. The Pack Daddy. Make sure you give that a scan. Check out all the content over there. And uh, click the like button while you're here if you like what you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. Milio, what do you got, buddy? Uh, Like buttons below me. Like Tim said, hit that. Uh, But not really exciting, man. How how can we not be happy about football in January? Meaningful and – we're one of the uh, the four games on TV, so I mean, I I'm excited, man. Let's let's get after it. Just here to tell you, Pack is back. <laughs> and as the youngest team in the league, too, it's just absolutely yep. phenomenal. I want to give a shout out real quick. BetUS is the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them jumping on board. If you would, uh, if you want to support the show and do it in a way that costs no money at all, just click on the link in the description that will send you directly to BetUS. And by using that link, it lets them know that we sent you to them. You can register for free as a customer, and that helps us put us in better standing with BetUS. So, again, you don't have to spend a dime. It just lets them know, hey, look, came from Packernet, uh, Packernet Podcast, and specifically uh, Packers Total Access, and lets them know that, hey, there's people that actually watch this show, believe it or not. I know he's got a horrible accent, but there are people watching. Again, that's BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access, uh, America's favorite sports book, celebrating their 30th year in business something else you're going to see in the description of this video i'm not going to change it because i want people to get familiar with the link our merch store is up do not Ooh. buy anything i tried to delete Aww. everything okay <laughs> Ooh, uh, <laughs> we're working through some details with uh with zazzle they're getting back to me on what we are or are not allowed to put on the products because when it comes to intellectual property obviously the packers own the word packers okay so we may have to change it up a bit to make sure everything is legit but we want to get it as close to what you guys want as far as the merch. We can still use our symbol and stuff like that. I just don't want to rush into it. I want to make sure that we're putting quality products out. Man, we had a whole lineup. There was already several orders in, and they got canceled. So if you place yeah. an order, that'll be getting returned. We just yeah, want to make they sure. Saw the, they saw the test shots, and they were like, here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh. That's what's awesome about Zazzle, too, is like they protect you. They go, oh, yep. oh not allowed to do that. All right. Thank exactly. you so much because I'm an idiot. All right. Yeah. So, just the way Appreciate that works. That. And again, we didn't get in the podcasting uh, in the podcasting business to sell shirts. It's just the listeners are asking for it. And I thought, you know what? It would be cool to kind of have something to to. Uh, I know I already had a couple orders placed, right, for a coffee mug and and a hoodie. And surprise, right? Clayton ordered a hoodie. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, I wore one to our wedding, and I didn't. I mean, <laughs> God, we wouldn't have made it out of the parking lot. 
But, uh, yeah, so with that being said, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys for PTA Live tonight. Um, just a little heads up. Uh, tomorrow I'll be doing a morning show. Then I'm heading out of town. So I won't be doing an evening show tomorrow, which is totally normal. You, you guys know we always take Friday nights off. We won't be doing a Friday morning show unless, of Saturday. course, I'm sorry, Saturday. Unless, of course, Tim and Emilio want to roll one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, might give you guys the reins if you want to. Tim's going, nope, no. Nope, sure about go. that? <laughs> there it is. There sure it about is. That? I think it'd be cool, but I don't want to put any pressure on anybody. But um, so I'll be back Saturday. I'll make sure I get back from Virginia Saturday in time to do a pregame show, obviously watch the game and do a postgame show. So the only thing we'll be missing if they decide not to do one is a Saturday good morning Lambo, which sometimes we don't even do on game day anyway. So right. but might be an opportunity for y'all just get on here and cut up for 30 minutes. Just keep that in mind. So. All right, with that being said, we're out. I want to give a special thanks to everybody in the chat. You guys made this show today. You guys are absolutely awesome. I have one marked. I got to hit it for him. Doug said, Clayton, in the PFF world, are quarterback rating versus the blitz and quarterback rating when pressured? Two different metrics. That's a good question, Doug. I don't know exactly the answer to that. Typically, versus the blitz means the defense blitz, and then you'll get a pressured. You'll If you took the two uh, the two percentages of plays, like if you were to sort by that, you would have way more blitz plays, right, in the hopper than you would pressured because even though they blitz, they might not have hit home with the pressure, right? Pressure means they actually got to the quarterback, right? Now, I want to say pressured is it's got to physically affect the pass in some way or another, you know, like he had to change his, you know what I mean? I don't know what, maybe it's within a yard. I don't know the exact, um, I'm just a dumb redneck. I don't know all of the answers to the equation there when it comes to some of those advanced analytics I just trust SIS more than anyone. I like PFF because they bring a little bit different approach. And I do like the fact that the 33rd team keys in on actually grading the players. So uh, I feel like if we take those three and get the opinions of former players, executives, coaches, we got a pretty good grab of what's going on on the field, other than us breaking down tape going, look, look, that was cool. So there you go. All right, we're out of here, guys. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you tonight for PTA Live. We'll break down the Packers offense against the 49ers defense. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go.